Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome to This Week in Production. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this is episode 55, Remote Capture Pains, part two. Before I get to this week's topic, I want to encourage you to send me your comments and feedback. Please email thisweekinproduction at gmail.com or call me on my Google voicemail. I'm not going to answer, but it's it's a voicemail box that you can leave a message. 601-564-TWIP, T-W-I-P, 601-564-8947. Like I said, I'd love to hear from you, comments, suggestions, good, bad, or whatever. You want to yell at me? You want to tell me I suck? Please, I welcome it. Okay, let's get back to this week's topic. I am still battling my remote capture kits. If you listened to last week's episode, you heard my toils, my struggles, my pains. As the deadline approaches, my struggle to get a kit that is simple and complete and ready to go is a struggle. So to briefly recap my situation, a pharma client is looking to do a two-person remote capture and it's scripted, so it needs to be teleprompted. And I went down the road with a couple of different thoughts, and the best solution I came up with was to use an Android tablet with a teleprompter being fed from my control room to the tablet. And that seems like it will work with a couple of exceptions. In testing the Android tablet, so I went out and I bought what I could get, which was a Samsung Galaxy S5e. This is a 10.5-inch tablet. I don't know if it's the latest model or not. It's really hard to tell when there's so many variations of these tablets floating around, which one is the better of the you know models. In my opinion, it's not as simple as Apple makes it with their iOS offerings. But anyway, we have this tablet. We did a test in a frantic, frantic pace to try and get a deadline met. I was not happy with the picture quality of the stream. I was getting basically a 1080 feed from the tablet, which was a surprise because I was only expecting a 720 picture. I was getting a 1080 picture at about 2 to 3 megabits per second, which should be a very good-looking image. The problem I'm having with the Android tablet is that every time the person in front of the camera moves a little bit, shifts their head from side to side, it looks like the encoder is struggling to make a new iframe at that point. And the, it gets pixelated, and then it takes, you know, a couple seconds for it to come back to full, full quality. It's not good, and I've never seen this on an iOS device. I don't know if it's the camera. I don't know if it's the... I, my gut feeling tells me it's something the way it's encoding H.264 on the tablet. 
I don't know enough about how the tablets are made and the operating system on the Android side, how all of that comes into play. I know Apple uses a hardware uh, ch chip to encode. So I don't know how this is being handled on the, on the Samsung, but it's not as good. So that's one problem that I'm trying to address. And I don't have a good solution for that problem because I still need to use a non-Apple tablet to send the teleprompter feed. And if you listen back to last week's episode, you know that, that there's a limitation in the application that I use for iOS that I can't make the return video window bigger. So that just causes me to go down this you know, rabbit hole. The next idea that I decided to try was what if we use the Android tablet strictly as the return video feed, and then we'll use an iPhone running the app that lets me record as the primary camera. So now we're talking about a rig that instead of just one tablet, we'll have a tablet and a phone. There's two problems. The second problem with the browser on the Android tablet, in addition to the picture quality, the other problem that's more concerning is on the browser-based WebRTC client, I don't have any way to record a local file. And the local file really is vitally important. It's, it's the backup. It's your safety net. And it's really your best quality record. But if all else bails out on the stream, at least you would know you would still have the recording. And I need, I need that safety net. I'm not comfortable just you know, sending out the tablet and taking chances on the quality. I don't think the client's going to be happy with that. I'm not going to be happy with that. So I have to figure out how to fix that. Maybe there's a way we can run two devices. What if I use the Android tablet strictly as return video for the prompter? And then I don't have to rely on the encoding and that sort of thing. And then I will add an iPhone as the camera and the recording device. And I can do that with the app since it's on iOS and I don't need to make the return video any bigger. That seems like a good plan. It's, the, it's the, really the only plan that I can come up with that seems to work. The issue is the eyeline. And I don't know how bad the eyeline will be with the phone above the pad with the teleprompter. <laughs> it might not be great, but it might not be horrible. It might not suck so bad, as we say especially in this uh, COVID era, right? <laughs> this, this is the new normal. So I am now, I'm back on b and I'm back on Amazon scrambling to find parts to let me mount a phone and a tablet on one device. And of course, that is sort of the same story that I talked about last week with the lights. Well, what is available what is the price and how quickly can I get it? And Amazon has been um, good with these types of uh, clamps and mounts for me. And I found one, a Ulami clamp that looks like I can put a multiple 
cold shoe frame around the pad and I'm going to have to have two two clamps, an iPad clamp and an iPhone clamp in both in cold shoes. And then the lights will have to be on the outside of the phone and the microphone will have to be on the side of the tablet. And hopefully all of this rig is not too Frankenstein. And then, of course, has to be a new set of uh, setup instructions made. And, and that really takes time. And, and I'm running out. I'm running out of time. I have to ship these kits in less than a week. And I don't have a good, a good plan yet. On, on top of all of that, to, to make matters worse in terms of the timing and all of this, is that we got hit with a tropical storm this week that knocked out power to my place and to many others. Luckily, my power was only out for about eight hours, but there are people in my neighborhood that are still out, and it's going on a, a week the kicker was, though, that because of the tropical storm, FedEx, which is carrying my package for these clamps and mounts, couldn't get, quote-unquote, to my house to deliver it because of the road conditions. Now, I was able to get in and out of my house to go out, so I'm not sure why FedEx couldn't get here, but, of course, now it's further delayed, compressing my timeline, compressing my frustration, to a point where it's going to be very, very challenging to meet this deadline. And then, of course, on the day that we're out of power, I have a live stream scheduled with a client. And I texted him the night before saying, listen, our power's out. I'm not sure it's going to come back on. Just in case, you know, you are checking your messages, you know, be aware we may not be able to record. And of course, I don't hear anything. I get up in the morning and luckily our power had come back on in the middle of the night. And so, okay, if it holds, we're going to be able to stream. I send him a message and he said, oh, I didn't have your number in my phone. I didn't know who was sending me these messages. <laughs> That was a bit of a chuckle. If we weren't with power, it would have been much harder to communicate with that. So let me back up and tell you about this particular job that was going to be with a school. And it was a live stream sort of testimonial messaging. This is what's been happening in the last you know, few months with the school and how we miss everybody. And it's going to be a total of 10 participants, but they scheduled four on this one day. And they didn't use my kit, my, my remote capture kit that's pre-configured. I don't know if it was a budget thing or, or whatever, but we didn't send kits out. They had I told them it had to be iOS device or Android device. These are the requirements, browser, headphones, you know, etc., Long story short, they had one interviewer in one location, and they had um, a second location at the school where the parents and the teachers were going to come into a room with one kit that they were going to set up, and that would simplify the process. And I said, yes, that should make it simpler because it's only one connection, and we know once we get it working, it's going to stay up for those four interviews. Well, 
let me tell you, this did not go as anyone had planned. First of all, the phone that the school had was an older iPhone 6. And the 6 doesn't even have a 720p camera on the front. So the quality was not good. The network speed also was not good. You know, for some reason with that age of device, it would not accept the return video and audio feed coming from my control room. So communication out of that particular device, almost impossible to fix. And then we're scrambling to get the, you know, the talent side working. We're trying different devices and laptops and, you know, all of these things. And I'm like, well, you know, this is why the kit is good because it's everything in one box and it's already been tested and it works. At the same time that I'm working over the phone with the um, producer at the location, the interviewer is having struggles. He's technically not savvy with his device at all. Can't get connected, you know, can't um, get it into landscape mode, all sorts of struggles. So I'm on the phone with him while at the same time I'm talking through the comms to the producer and it was just frantic, frantic, frantic. And, you know, you ask someone to quit out of an app and you think that that's simple enough. Double tap, swipe up on the app and it quits. Some people don't know what that means. So they're closing the app and just reopening the phone and the app hasn't quit. And, and it's a struggle. And I say, well, I need you to reboot the phone which is different than shutting the phone off and then turning it back on. And then you're trying to explain to someone, okay, you hold the, press the top up volume, press the down volume, hold the power till the screen goes out and then you see the Apple and then you let go. That's a reboot. This gentleman did not understand what I was saying. So we struggled, struggled, struggled to get his side connected, could not get it to go. The fallback turned out to just be a FaceTime call, no record from the interviewer. We could go back maybe after the fact and record him asking the questions, but a FaceTime call, you know, from a phone at the uh, school where he could ask his questions and they could see him and he could see them. And then we would stream the one feed out of the school and we would re record it. And because we had gone back and forth with devices and the bandwidth went up and down, it took us a couple of, you know, go rounds till we really locked it in. But these are, these are the struggles that I'm dealing with every day with people. Every day we're struggling to find a way to capture content and not have it be so frustrating. Because I know, I know for the producers out there, many of my clients, like they don't like struggle. They don't like um, uncertainty and hesitation and all these things that happen, especially when you're remote, they want their client to feel good and not have to feel like there's pressure to get this to work. And, you know, you want to take out those technical barriers, but it's hard. It's very, very hard. You know, in this quest, I have to, you know, make the simplest, best, most reliable kit out there. I'm just you know, constantly looking for ways to simplify. And one way I think that I'm going to do this 
is a, a bonded cellular solution. It's basically a small backpack. I have one bonded encoder made by Teradek. It's, it's called the Bond, and it uses four cellular modems, BNC or HDMI input into the box, and then it streams either to the cloud, to Teradek's cloud service called Core, or I can configure it to come directly to my control room. The It's good. It works really well. It's an HEVC or H.265 encoder, so you get very good quality at manageable bit rates. Because it's cellular, there's no setup on the network. You don't have to worry about um, you know, the Wi-Fi not being strong enough and things like that. Of course, they have to be able to get cellular service. And you don't always know by every market where you know, who the strong carriers are. So in my box, I've got a Verizon, I've got a Sprint, I've got an AT&T, I've got a T-Mobile. And I know T-Mobile and AT&T are really the same network. So really it's three modems that I'm using. But it can bond across those three um, signals and send the data, enough data over all three that it shouldn't overload any one of them. And then it puts it all back together and then, you know, I receive it. So that solution, I have one, but I did test over the summer another one made by Intenor. They're a company out of Norway. They have a more interesting variation on the encoder. Their solution, when used with one of their, um, what they call routers, and the router is basically a receiver, and it can also transmit, but it's a, uh, a, a unit that would sit in my control room, and it would talk to the transmitter or the encoder. And what it will do is it will create a VPN network, a tunnel, direct tunnel between my site and wherever the encoder is. And by doing that, I can place, let's say, a pan tilt zoom camera, a PTZ camera on the encoder and be able to control it with my joystick in my control room. And so that's a much better scenario for most of these things. Uh, of course, you leave a little bit of additional setup because the kit's a little bigger. You know, you have, um, it really, it's just the kit is bigger. It's a bigger camera than an iPhone, obviously. It's a small PTZ. Uh, the stand is a little bigger. Uh, the light has to change a little bit because it can't be a ring light that I use for a phone. So the kit is bigger. It's a little heavier. And then the encoder has to sit, you know, where it can get cellular reception. It's, it's really simpler in the technical sense. All you have to do is plug it in and, and turn it on. And then I can do the rest from here. That kit is, I'm going to build three or four of these kits, the cost of the kit is going to be more. But I think for most clients, it's really going to be a better way to go. So that would take out some of the technical limitations. Well, I think this bonded cellular kit's going to be great. It's, it's very flexible. I think the cost is going to limit it to certain jobs. I still think the iPhone kit is going to be the primary kit. And I've realized that there's two things that really hurt most about that particular setup. And the first is the network that it's going on. 
you know, it has to be put on Wi-Fi. Now I could consider putting a SIM card in that phone. I bought it unlocked. I could put a SIM in, but again, it's one of those things, where is it going? What carrier is strongest there? I still think Wi-Fi is the primary transport mode for that device. But what I am doing now in my prep is I'm telling the client, you need to have a speed test done even before we agree to do the job. Let's make sure that your network is strong enough to do this. So I'm sending links out and instructions ahead of the first call. And I'm saying, check your speed, send me the results, and then we'll be able to have a baseline for what is possible. So that's step one in my revised uh, evaluation of the live streaming setup is to have a speed test. The other thing that's really killing the quality of the overall experience is people's lack of willingness to use headphones. I don't know why that is, but it really Fs everything up when you don't have headphones on the remote side. Because what happens is you have the speaker on the device open. And of course, then you're hearing feedback. You get a feedback loop. When I'm talking and I'm picking up my audio through their microphone and it's coming back through the system, I mean, it really gets complicated. And then I have to start muting channels. And then if the interviewer and the interviewee are both not wearing headphones, again, everything just gets really, really complicated. And then you're muting and then someone's talking and then you miss what they say and then you got to stop and go back. I don't like it. So really, I am going to make headphones just a mandatory component to make this smooth. I get it. Like if it's just one person talking and it's only producers talking back to them, we can deal with that. But when there's interaction between the interviewer and the interviewee, you both have to wear headphones. I mean, it, this is... A, just a normal process that has to occur. Maybe I have to send a surveillance style IFB as the headphone so it's not as visible, but I, I think that's more complexity, but I might have to add that as an option to the kit. Here we are a week later. I'm no closer to a solution. I'm waiting for my pieces to get in. I have to send the kits out next week. And, and then I have to decide if I'm going to invest the big dollars in these bonded cellular encoders. And they're not cheap. They're about, you know, $12,000 each. And that's just for the encoder. Then I need the uh, routers. Those are $5,000 each. Luckily, though, what I do like about this Intenor system is that it's, there's no service fee. You buy the hardware and then it's it. You... You don't have to pay for the service. I did have on, on a previous episode, Lowell Thaler, Lowell Thaler, and he has invested in the live view systems. And live views seem very good. A lot of people like them, but there's a monthly service fee to use those devices. They, they have the service as part of the product offering and you can't escape it. So, he is paying service fees on his live view units. He has multiple units and he's paying service fees, even if he's not using them, especially during, you know, the COVID shutdown. So 
that's what I like about this Intenor system. It's just the hardware and like a service plan for maintenance and software. And there's no fee just for the usage. So these are things that I'm deciding. I'm figuring it out. That's all for this week. See you next time. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.